Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Kind of Funny X-Cast, your home for all things Xbox here at Kind of Funny. Of course, I'm one of your hosts, Snowbike Mike, and today I am finally introducing my two gaming dads for the last time from a work-from-home setup because we are so close to the studio. So introducing my two favorite people here on planet Earth, Mr. Paris Lilly and Gary Witta, the rogue one. Now, Gary, I'm going to start with you because... A couple weeks ago, me and Paris got to rub it in your face that we had a nice dinner date together. <laughs> Gary, it's your turn for us to rub it in Paris Lily's face that we had a good dinner together. Yeah, I mean, first of all, I, Paris is Paris has really got no doesn't have a leg to stand on. He's not he wasn't even in town. So, like, what does he expect us to do? Fucking fly him in for it for a dinner? <laughs> I, I was actually in town when you guys went off and had your little two thirds of an X cast in and out jamboree and didn't and didn't bother to call me. Uh, but when we did so, you know, Mike, as you know, you've recently come into town. You were like, listen, I'm new in San Francisco. I just I just got off the off the turnip truck, you know, show, show me the hot spots, show me the places. And of course, we got to take you to the House of Prime Rib because it is a, a San Francisco institution. And um, I'm, I'm glad to have laid any any doubts you may have had to rest. My I did hear that on the mm. on the uh, podcast this week, you were talking about, oh, maybe I, I won't. Maybe I won't like the food. Uh, but you, me, uh, blessing Andy. And uh, Kevin all went to the House of Prime Rib. And uh, I'm not telling you, the House of Prime Rib never misses. You ended up uh, having a pretty good meal, right? Never misses. Paris Lily, he is the real deal. It was unbelievable. Probably the best meal I think I've ever had. It was one of those That's what you said. Nights. That's right. Andy Cortez said these are the best mashed potatoes I've ever had. You had the best meal ever. It doesn't miss. Paris, of course, if you'd have been in town, we, you, you would yeah, have been there yeah, with us. Yeah. But uh, we'll, get, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get you on the flip side. The other thing I want to say, by the way, since you're talking about... <laughs> the, the, funny, the funny thing is, I didn't even think about it at the time, but now that I know that Paris is, is a little bit um, annoyed that he wasn't there, actually, in retrospect, the meal was just that much better because I oh, did get to get him back oh. for that for that in and out disc that he, that he uh, threw my way the other week. The other thing I do want to say, though, is I did, since you were talking about this is the last... It is, you're right, this is the last one where we're doing it in, you know, this is the last kind of pandemic era, you know, the pandemic, you know, put us all in these little Brady Bunch boxes and we've been here for a long time now. I had an opportunity to come by the new studio earlier this week. And I got to tell you, I was really, really impressed by it. whatever, whatever the, the people out there that are excited to see the new space, whatever it is you think it is, it's more impressive than that. I was really, really blown away by it. And I can't wait to actually be in the studio um, with you guys uh, doing this the way it was meant to be like, you know, face to face. Yeah, so excited for that, Gary. And you got to see the new tease of a brand new X-Cast set as well. We'll give that Incredible. little teaser for everybody. So that will be great. But Paris, of course, we put one over on you. We had another big meal. So I'm the one <laughs> lucking out because I've had meals with both of my gaming dads now in the past couple of weeks. But I believe you two 
we'll be going out for a meal very soon so that will be nice to have you both yeah it's like it's it's like it's like we're two gaming divorce dads and we've got <laughs> custody of mike he gets him on one weekend i get him on the next weekend <laughs> okay I, I i do have to say you want to know what annoyed me the most about seeing that tweet it was you mike Oh. It was you. You 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 were rocking the turtleneck. I look so good. You just look so happy. You're so happy. Yeah, I, I got to tell you, Mike. Mike, Mike was concerned about shorts. the dress code. Yeah. He's like, "Can yeah. I wear shorts?" I was like, "I don't know. Make a bit of an effort." There's no real dress code. <laughs> um, but no, he. The, I, I, I don't know how well you know the House of Prime Rib. It's very kind of old school supper club kind of vibes. And Mike with the turtleneck and chain, like he <laughs> he really fitted. He fit right in. I, I think he's going to do very right. well here in San Francisco. Oh, I think so too. Uh, of course, turning my attention to you, Paris. How are you doing today? It's nice to see you back again uh, for one of our final at-home work-from-home setups. How you doing, though? I'm good. I'm good. Um, I'm I'm excited to come up there next week and see yes. the studio because uh, I've you know even when I was up there a couple of weeks ago, I purposely didn't want to see it because I want to be genuinely surprised uh, when we have the opening on the 14th, and um, I'll, I'll actually get to see Gary what in like two days from we're recording this at TwitchCon. So looking forward to that. Sure, catch up with a lot of other people at TwitchCon as well. So so it's a good time. It's going to be See, a good time. There, you go. So, there you go. It all, it all goes around. So you and you and, uh, you and and I, Paris, and TwitchCon this weekend yep. will have a meal. Mike yes. will be invited. So at some point, everyone's been frozen out. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's really exciting, guys. we got a lot of fun stuff to get into on this episode. Of course, we're going to be talking about a big rumor of Halo possibly switching engines, which everybody needs to know about. And we also have a really dope developer interview with the team over at Obsidian Entertainment, talking about Grounded and their journey through early access. But we'll tell you all about that in just a little bit. Let's jump in, because this is the kind of funny X-Cast we post each and every Wednesday at 6 a.m. West Coast, Best Coast time on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames, roosterteeth.com, and of course on podcast services around the globe. Kind of funny best friends, XCast viewers and listeners, make sure to mark this down because it's finally happening. Friday the 14th, we're moving into the spare bedroom, our 5,000 square foot state-of-the-art studio in San Francisco, and you're invited to the marathon stream to end all marathon streams. It starts at 11 a.m. PT with Cisco. Of course, so many other incredible kind of funny best friends like James and Elise Willems and so many more doing some of your favorite bits live while funding a whole bunch of brand new kind of funny content. You don't want to miss that Friday, October 14th at 10 a.m. Pacific time. Now, that means next week will be totally different because on Monday the 10th, we will record just kind of funny games daily in the final kind of funny podcast from home with all other content taking the week off, except for your special Patreon-exclusive Greg Gregway vlogs. But that means for the Kind of Funny X-Cast, this is our final work-from-home episode. We'll take next week off, and we will be back on a new date. Starting on October 19th, the X-Cast will move to Wednesday records. So we know we flip-flopped on you from Saturdays now over to Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Now we're going to record on Wednesday post on Thursday for all of you. So starting October 19th, the X-Cast crew will be back and better than ever in a brand new studio space that you don't want to miss out. Of course, don't forget that we are now Epic Games partners, which means if you are buying games off the Epic Games store, if you're upgrading your look in Rocket League, Fortnite, or Fall Guys, please use our Epic Creator Code at checkout anytime to help support the team with Kinda Funny as that Epic Creator Code. 
talking about support, we always want to give a big thank you to the people who support us over on Patreon for the month of October. Thank you to Gordon McGuire, Fargo Brady, Pranksky, Dan Golden Spider B, Tyler Ross, Delaney Twining, First Responder ND, Julian the Gluten-Free Gamer, James Hastings, and Casey Andrew. Thank you all so much for your support over on Patreon. This week, the Kind of Funny Xcast is sponsored by NZXT Canvas Gaming Monitors and Chime. But myself and the team will tell you all about that in just a little bit. Guys, let's jump right in to a spicy one. A questionable one, Parasoli, which has my, my, you know, I'm intrigued, we'll call it right now. So, the big one right now is Halo Switching Game Engines. You have a great piece up right now on Windows Gaming Central from our friend Jez Corden over there, who is doing a little digging into a possible rumor that Halo fans and Xbox fans definitely want to know about. So, the article goes like this. Last week, YouTuber Sean W. shared a video detailing some rumors he heard about Halo Infinite along with some speculation about what may be going on moving forward. At its core, Sean W. reported that Halo's Tatanka Battle Royale-like mode may be moving over uh, ditching sp Slip Space Engine or was never using the Slip Space Engine from the onset. In conversations with 343 Industries staff past and present who wish to remain anonymous, Halo's internal Slip Space Engine has been blamed for much of the problems with the ongoing game development. Two separate sources describe the launch state of Split Space's developer tools as, quote, non-existent, end quote. Descriptions paint a bleak picture for contractors and new 343 industry staff who had, worked, who had to work with a difficult engine and with light on documentation and pipeline maturity. Now, it seems like they will be switching over to the Unreal Engine, of course, he ends this with, of course, I would caution to take all this with a pinch of salt until we get some kind of official statement from Microsoft or some concrete physical evidence. Paris, I'll start off with you. The idea of moving away from the slip space engine, Halo Infinite special engine to go over to Unreal. Could this be true? Is this the right move? You know, it's interesting when I first saw this unfolding and, and I saw what, what Jez had initially said that he didn't believe it. I was with him. I was like, I don't believe this. Why, why would they do that? But then as we started to see, you know, again, when there's smoke, there's fire, right? I'm leaning towards, I can't, I believe it. I think this is, this is going to happen. Ironically enough, some other news that dropped today with CD Projekt Red and their long-term roadmap with all their games, they're switching The Witcher and Cyberpunk over to Unreal as well. It's kind of looking like Unreal 5 is going to be the go-to engine in, in this generation of gaming. And it's pretty clear from everything that we talked about with Halo Infinite over the past few weeks and months, there's definitely something at the system level with that engine that is preventing them from getting content out on a routine basis. So maybe the decision was made that, all right, certain affinity with uh, whatever they're doing with this alleged battle royale, that's on Unreal where there already was. Maybe it shifted over now. But I, I think the bigger thing out of this is I got a feeling that Halo Infinite is not going to be the 10-year project that they initially thought. I think Halo Infinite will have a short shelf life in the sense that, yeah, we'll probably get some campaign content. We'll get additional, obviously, multiplayer things. But as soon as the next Halo is ready on Unreal, they're going to move everything over to that. That that's kind of what again, this is all rumor. It could be completely wrong, but kind of looking at it from the outside in, 
I think it makes sense with all the development problems that they've had with slip space. Why continue to bang your head against a wall if you can migrate over to an engine that is going to be developer friendly, that is going to allow you to get content out quicker? Hell, we see what Epic does with Fortnite. Every time you look around, they got something new out. So if this is the cadence that we can expect with Unreal, then, yeah, you make that decision and you do it. Wow. That's some wild stuff, Paris. And I like your in-depth analysis on that one. That's why I turned to Gary, because, you know, when you read through Jez's report here and his investigation, you think about teams that already use Unreal on the Xbox side, right? You think of the Coalition, you think of Undead Labs, they use that and the partnerships that could help benefit this team to put out content faster, but also building your own engine. And what we talked about of the year long delay, how game the game did look and run. My worry is Gary now is I'm not a developer. Is the game going to feel different? Is it going to run differently? Is this going to be an issue moving forward? If it's not the halo that I was playing just a year ago, prior to all of this, Gary, you've been around the industry for so long. Have you seen games like this? Just ditch an engine and just mid-game go somewhere else? During development, sure, not after release. And I think that is, um, I, I can't even imagine what that would look like, how they would, and I don't think this is, I, I, I don't think this is necessarily what they're planning. Like the idea of, you know, because Halo is a live game, right? It's up every week, how they would just suddenly like put, take, bring it down and put it up under a new engine and have that be a seamless, I mean, I don't know, maybe that's possible. I don't know, I'm not, I'm not a developer. It just, it, I think it would be pretty unprecedented for a game of that, of that scope and scale. Um, holistically, I think it's an interesting question. You know, why it, 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 it's something maybe to ask developers. You know, if you think about like all the games that are out there, like the big kind of 3D games, um, many of them are using either Unreal Engine uh, or Unity or, you know, a, a kind of off the shelf um, solution. Mostly Unreal, obviously, is kind of the market leader or the, or, or the, you know, they're using, using their own. And there's pros and cons to both, right? Both both are very expensive. It's it's expensive to to build your own 3D engine. It's also expensive to um, license it from from Epic. You know, Unreal is is an ex, is an expensive product, but it's also the you know, arguably the best one out there. I think the other reason, when in some of the few conversations I've had with developers about this, one of the reasons why developers do like um, Unreal so much is not just that it is really kind of an amazing engine with this incredible tool set, and we've seen some of the results. That it's capable of. If you look at some of the um, the the, uh, the the demo uh, videos that have been going around for the past few months, showcasing what you know, UE five is going to be capable of going forward. I mean, they're absolutely incredible, like, almost like photorealistic, you know, imagery. It really, really does feel like truly next gen. But the other reason that I know developers like it is it's like it's kind of like you know driving a Toyota. If it breaks down, like you can always get parts, right? Like Unreal has tremendous. Unreal Engine has tremendous tremendous support resources and uh you know it's 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 a very easy engine uh to maintain and improve and keep stable and developers like it for that reason and that may be, may be one of the reasons why it would be attractive to um the halo developers you know we know that ever since we'll probably never know like the full picture of this but we know that ever since launch um and and obviously even before because it was delayed by a whole year right the developers have been kind of behind the eight ball in terms of in terms of where they want to be always running to catch up. They never feels like there's quite enough content. There's, there's, there's not enough hours in the day for them to do all the things that they want to do. And if they have, if they have identified, and again, this is obviously a big if, but if they have identified uh, the difficulty with the engine and it's making me think of some of the difficulties that 
um, EA's developers. Hey, remember when the Frostbite, Frostbite and you got forced yeah. on everyone, right? Mm-hmm. And they didn't they didn't like it. It's like this actually, like you know, it's it's it's, it's a very nice idea. Oh, everyone's just going to be on Frostbite now, but Frostbite's not necessarily the best fit for every application for every kind of game. And and some developers were were really struggling with having to use a, a, a an engine that wasn't their first choice and wasn't really fit for purpose for the kind of game that they were making. Um, and so if, if they have identified that part of the reason why things are taking longer than they should is, you know, the, they're, they're fighting with the engine all the time and, 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 and they've done some kind of assessment and thought, well, look, if we were building this at Unreal, we could do this in half the time and that would free us up to make more content and do other things. It might not be as simple as that, but maybe it is, I don't know. Um, it, it, that, that seems like a, a, a change worth making if it, if it would allow them to finally kind of get ahead of of where they are right now which like i said is like constantly just a little bit behind where the community wants them to be seems like a lot behind gary we're, we're really behind yeah yeah i mean i may i may be being mm-hmm. overly overly generous again i've not been playing been playing um halo recently so i'm not if i was playing it every week and like really kind of feeling that the paucity of that content i probably would be kind of giving them a um a harder time but uh yeah it's uh they they, they clearly have a lot of catching up to do we we've had conversations on this very show about like is halo in existential crisis i mean depending on who you talk to uh there's either work to be done or like a hell of a lot of work to be done but no but i don't think anybody not even you know joe staten when he was on the show recently would try and tell you that everything in halo's garden is rosy i mean he actually seemed quite contrite when he was on the show if you recall and he acknowledged the fact that they are they are not where they want to be and it's been it's kind of felt like one of one one of one of one apology and one uh, you know, kind of contrite community, you know, update after another. We're getting there. We're sorry. We know you're disappointed, but we're gonna. We're trying harder. Like you know, that that's never the the, the optics that you want to be putting out, right? You want the community to be happy with the game, and that's almost impossible these days, right? Communities are never entirely happy, but they're they're unhappy <laughs> in this case with with good reason. They are they're just not able to kind of keep up with, um, the, you know, the 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 community demand for for new content. And like I said, if it turns out that part of that reason is that the engine is making things take, you know, the pri- proprietary engine that they have is making, you know, the iteration and the execution of, of new features and bringing new content into the game uh, longer than it would be if they had like a nice, easy to work with engine like uh, like Unreal. And I've never spoken to, to a developer that that doesn't enjoy working with the Unreal engine. Like they really have kind of like got that honed to a fine, to a fine razor point over at Epic, making that engine kind of really uh, a joy to work with. Um, I, 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 again, I don't know what kind of like, transitional period that would look like for them to to shift to, to shift everything over into a completely new engine it's a, it's obviously not a small undertaking but they they may have identified that in the long term it is a necessary step in kind of writing writing the ship and boy does it need writing well i i'll say again i'll, I'll go back to the cd project red news that came out with their their roadmap the fact that they've pivoted from the red engine to unreal 5 and they've committed this new witcher trilogy Every like once the first one comes out every two years, a a new Witcher game is going to be coming out. That's extremely aggressive to be saying, which kind of goes to your point, Gary, that there must be this must be very developer friendly. This engine that if they had this confidence this early on to say, we think we can turn around content within a 24 month period for a brand new triple A game, you know, makes me think bringing it to Halo at some point, leadership like we've obviously seen a transition now with leadership with, you know, Bonnie Ross is out. They've they now have this this trio of people handling the business that is Halo. Um, we already know Joe Staten is in place and he's already made t- tough decisions with Infinite. 
if a decision has been made that we don't think we can maintain slip space and Halo Infinite long term, you cut the cord now. You do it now. If they think they have a better solution, you cut the cord now, support it for a few more years, work on a new Halo experience in the back end. Certain infinities already working on a battle royale that can kind of be a, a stopgap in between and then give us another Halo game that's going to be easier for them to support. Because what have we been saying forever? This is their flagship IP. They can't screw this up. So I would rather them do this now and then get things right moving forward. Then again, just keep banging your head against a wall with a solution that simply is not viable long-term. I think to your point, Paris, that, that, um, I, and again, I'm not, I'm not an expert on the developer side, but from the little that I do know, I get the sense that that very aggressive, you know, two year, um, you know, a new Witcher game every two years, which, which by the way, has already got a lot of people talking about, well, what about crunch? And, you know, we were right, right. very concerned about those things yeah. these days, but you know, that aside, I, I would argue that that kind of very aggressive schedule is only possible if you outsource a big chunk of the work to someone like, you know, like Critten and Engine is a huge part of the, that's, you know, that's very time consuming. It's a huge part of your development team. But if you just bring an engine in and, and obviously UE5 is, is tremendous and developers love it. Um, again, that's just, just a huge part of the, of the undertaking you don't have to worry about. And it's, you know, again, it's my understanding is it's easy to use. There's very robust support available from Epic if you need help and developers just like using it. And it's just one, massive less thing to worry about if you're if you're also having to worry about building and maintaining your own proprietary engine i don't know if you could even you know think of a schedule a schedule as aggressive as that and and i think again halo you know, the, the 343 guys might be looking at the same thing if we want to get aggressive with this and we want to be iterating and updating content and bringing it out at the at the at the rate that the community demands and where we want to be there's got to be some kind of like internal strategic shift towards getting a lot of this workload off of our backs. And, you know, and if that means paying a bunch of money to Epic to bring, uh, to bring the unreal engine in again, it really makes me think about frostbite because we will remember what a nightmare that was for the developers. Oh, we have our own proprietary engine. We're going to force everyone to use it, but it was, you know, it was, it was a big hassle. It wasn't a brilliant engine. It wasn't purpose built for every kind of game. Um, and it, it's weird though, we keep talking about slip space. Obviously, it was purpose built for Halo, but it's still presumably a, a hassle. And I think you, I think you probably are going to see overall, like overall, because of the wider development landscape, more less and less proprietary engine development, and and UE5 and whatever the competitors out there is going to. I think that's going to be increasingly the model. Um, just you know, bring bring the engine in from outside and and let out let our developers you know focus on on the other stuff. Coming in from our live chat, watching over on Patreon. Thank you all so much for supporting us and watching live. Eric Z writes in and says, I think switching is a good idea, but be we, but be real with your players. Tell them what it means in the long term. And Paris, that's something you brought up earlier, right? If you switch it, now we kind of have to sunset where we're at now and restart and pick up the pieces. How does Halo and 343 Industries come out and tell that to the players that are already clinging on? to what is pretty much a dying game with content that we're hoping for more to revitalize this. How do you share that message? How do you make that easy for players to get behind? I don't think you need to say anything right now because this is obviously all rumor and speculation and people data mining and, and doing the investigative work behind the scenes to try and figure out what's going on. But clearly Microsoft nor 343 has officially said anything about this. The message they put out is, here's our roadmap. Here's the content you're going to get for season three and 2023. I would imagine post that 
if if it is true and you start having other things already that if Halo Infinite is, is going to end, and again, this is all speculation, we don't know anything. If Halo Infinite is going to end within the next couple of years, then then at that point, yeah, get out in front of it and communicate that to the community that, hey, we've decided to move on to other Halo projects. Like I keep going back to CD Projekt Red, but basically what they just did today where they they laid it out. Look, Cyberpunk, we're going to give you an expansion. After that, we're done with this version of Cyberpunk. We're going to create a brand new Cyberpunk experience, and then we're going to give you all these Witcher games moving forward. Just do that with Halo if, if that's going to be the case. That way people know. You, you know what to expect. You set expectations, even if it's still a few years out, and you move on accordingly. I mean, look, mis- mistakes happen. If, if Halo Infinite, the, the, the vision that they had for it is simply not going to work and they've realized that it's not going to work, I would rather them tell me sooner than later that it's not going to work so, so people can adjust and move on from that because this IP clearly is way too important, you know, to, to just let it die on a vine. So they got to do whatever they need to do to keep it going. Some really interesting stuff there. I highly encourage you if you are interested in this story, Go check out Jez's write-up over on Windows Central Gaming. Of course, friend of the show, giving you some really good in-depth digging into this rumor. And of course, there's going to be a whole lot more coming out of this in the weeks to come and months and onward. And we'll find out if we ever get any clear, concrete details on it. But guys, we have a really fun one coming up. I have an interview with Shyla Schofield, social media manager at Obsidian Entertainment, to talk about their team's journey from early access to full release for Grounded 1.0 that we talked about and reviewed last week. So get ready for a really fun interview. And then after that, guys, I'm going to ask you a simple question. Which is your favorite Fallout game? Because we're celebrating 25 years of Fallout right after a word from our sponsors. Shout out to NZXT Canvas Gaming Monitors. We are huge fans of NZXT here at Kind of Funny. And I got to say, these monitors, they're Andy Cortez approved, Kevin Coelho approved, and Tim Gettys approved because of their sweet 1440p resolution with 165 hertz refresh rate and one millisecond response hits. That sweet spot for gamers due to the balance of picture and performance. And now available in a 1080p 240 hertz version for the most competitive of gaming situations. They're available in 27-inch and 32-inch curved displays, variable refresh rate support for all of the major GPUs. You can get the monitor just alone, you can get it with a stand, or you can get it with some pretty cool mounts. There's built-in software support with NZXT Cam that lets you control all your monitor settings directly on your PC. No need to mess with the clunky hardware menus to lock in your desired settings. They thought of it all. It's sold exclusively on NZXT.com. You can learn more about the NZXT FHD Canvas gaming monitors at NZXT.com. NZXT.co slash KFGFHD. That's NZXT.co slash KFGFHD. Shout out to Chime for sponsoring this episode. What's the first thing you do when you wake up? Is it checking up on your credit score? I don't think so. At Chime, that's exactly what they do. With their secured Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card, you can start to build credit with your own money. All of this with no annual fees, large security deposits, or credit checks to apply. You can start your credit journey with Chime. Sign up takes only two minutes and doesn't affect your credit score. You can get started at Chime.com slash KFGames. That's Chime.com slash KFGames. The Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card is issued by Stride Bank NA pursuant to a license from Visa. US 
USA Chime checking account and $200 qualifying direct deposit required to apply for the secured Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card. Regular on-time payment history can have a positive impact on your credit score. Impact to score may vary and some user scores may not improve. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees may apply except at MoneyPass ATMs in the 7-Eleven or any AllPoint or Visa Plus Alliance ATM. Get your credit journey started with Chime. Sign up takes only two minutes, doesn't affect your credit score. Get started at Chime.com slash KF Games. Welcome in, everybody. We have a fun interview with one of the Obsidian Entertainment team members. For Grounded, it's Shyla Schofield, social media manager from Obsidian. Shyla, thank you so much for joining me. How are you today? I am super excited. It is the first Monday since we've launched 1.0. Um, just been spending my time watching everybody play Grounded, which there's honestly nothing better to do. So it, it's I'm doing great. I am doing superb. That is great. And of course, congratulations on myself and the Xbox team over here at the Kind of Funny House. Uh, we want to say congratulations on a great launch of 1.0. A lot of people very high on the game, a lot of excitement now. And one weekend, it seems like everybody is jumping into the backyard and having some fun. So congratulations to you and the team. And that's what we got to talk about. Let's talk about the first three actions here. Because you and I, before we turned on, you finally got to see the team and have a big celebration. What was that like yes. after a couple of years of the pandemic and being away from each other? It was, it was so nice. It, is, it was much needed. Um, obviously, right now, a few people in the office are still working from home. Uh, some people like myself are hybrid. And so being able to get not only that team, but others from Obsidian together in one place to celebrate, you know, the accomplishments of Grounded and what this team has done, they're... I'm having a hard time like express it because it was it was so good to do it. It's one of our first big parties that we've had since the pandemic. Um, and then just to come out and celebrate a game launch there, you know, company parties, holiday parties are great. But being able to celebrate the launch of a game and watching everybody's success and everybody finally get to relax because people are out there enjoying their little backyard baby. It's, it's great. That's awesome to hear. And congratulations. That's fun to get everybody together. And Shyla, I want to get to a little bit about you before we jump yeah. into this, because I think a lot of people have seen the game. They've learned about the development over the years in early access. And I want to talk about that journey of early access. But I want to talk about you before that. Of course, social Ooh. media manager, how long have you been with Obsidian Entertainment and how long have you been taking over social for Grounded? Yes. Uh, so for Obsidian Entertainment, I came in 2019, right before the launch of The Outer Worlds. So I came in, joined the team, and was like, social plan, and got that out the door while we were going through that launch. So that was a very exciting time. And immediately right after that, jumped to Grounded because it wasn't but a few weeks after we launched The Outer Worlds that we were at Exile in London announcing Grounded coming up and everything. So I kind of just jumped. I still do them all, so I still do The Outer Worlds. We, we go on there, but right now, lately, because Grounded's been so active that that's where i've kind of been um so about i want to say three years this month so yay anniversary for me perfect wow good <laughs> to hang out with you on the anniversary is terrific let's talk yay. about that grounded team because the big story around that is a small team out of obsidian mm -hmm. entertainment doing something completely different than we're used to yeah. from obsidian entertainment and also a big passion project so what is the size of that team what was the selling point for you to be like, yeah, I'm all on board for jumping in and playing Grounded and promoting Grounded? Uh, I want to say over the years, the size of the team hasn't grown by much. I'm somewhere around 15, give or take a few people. 
which is nice. Um, what I love about that team is because they are so small, I can go to anybody and ask a question. So if I need clarification, because I'm also the ones who do, I write the vlog script and get all that recorded. And then our video editor, because I'm not an editor, um, I learned to be an editor during the pandemic. That was fun. But our video editor will put that together so that way our players can know um, all the new things coming in the vlog. It's easy for me to hit up, you know, Adam Taylor, our QA lead, to be like, I have some questions. If he doesn't know, I can go to game designer Andy Arts um, and just ask the questions there. And I'm going to get the answers fairly quick because they all kind of know what each other's doing. And that's one of the great things about being on a small team is that, you know, John Lewis may do some environment art sometimes, and then he's going out and doing the visual effects. So it's, it's a lot of fun being able to see how quick they move and being a part of that and being able to move just as quick and get all everything excited and everything out the door for the players to enjoy. That's pretty awesome. And yeah, they talked about the small team in the passion project. Yeah. And I want to talk about early access because that's what I was really interested in is the journey. It's been two years yes. in early access. We're now at 1.0. But I think we kind of forget along the way that long time beforehand of to get us here with all of this content. So if we could mm -hmm. rewind back to July oh, yeah. 2020, what was that like first to say, hey, let's do this in early access and let's grow from there? Was that a question for you as a social media manager where you said, I don't know about early access games. Maybe this isn't the right move. No, um, I'm actually I'll take it back a little bit further to XO19. Um, so, because you you had mentioned how grounded is not necessarily in our wheelhouse. You know, this was our first take in a survival game. Um, the team loves survival games, so they had been playing it when that idea came out. And what was interesting about that is a lot of people on the team came from Pillars of Eternity. So they did have some experience with Kickstarter, which kind of led the way and let them feel out like, no, this is how we want to do a survival game. We want early access. We want to be able to have the community help shape and tweak all these systems that we want to add while we're building it out to make sure that everything just flows. So XO19 was an exciting time because this is, everybody was like, oh, Obsidian just launched, you know, The Outer Worlds. What are they gonna announce here? And then we come out with a survival game. <laughs> and it was a lot of fun because we were all nervous. We were all anxious to see how it was gonna do. But I was able to be there and watching the people at that convention play Grounded. And that was before 2020. Like, they just got 15 minutes and enjoy their time was so stoked that it was kind of like, no, this is great. Can't wait to keep moving and get more people in. So once we hit the early access date in July 2020, it was amazing because we had so many people come in. Um, we were able to get the feedback. And the team has just been real great about providing updates, providing fixes, um, getting continuous content out there. My favorite thing is when I get ready to write a vlog, I'll hear, oh, yeah, no, the update's not that big this month. Don't worry about it. And I write the vlog, and I'm like, it's seven pages. Like, my script is seven pages. It's not tiny in my butt. Like, no, 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 you guys are doing great. You're doing great work. So it's really been beneficial for this type of game for our first foray into the survival to do this early access period to have people play the game from an outside perspective and give us the feedback that we need are the spiders too hard um then we can go and tweak that is it too grindy and we need to figure out how to give you more resources earlier on so that way you could you feel like you're progressing at a better pace 
This is the type of feedback that we could only get during early access where people are playing for large continuous amounts of time and be able to tweak and fix the game. So it's, I, I know the team loved it. I know the team was super excited for it. And I think if they had to do it all again, it would be this route. Wow, that's really impressive to hear and also rad to hear. And so much from that. I want to talk about the feedback. I think a lot yeah. of people talk about this game was built with the community. A lot of feedback was given over that early access period to get us to where we were today. And I think we see it in the landscape of video games today of communication goes both ways, right? A lot mm -hmm. of the fans out there want their voices heard. And of course they look to those developers to hear what the next move is. And so for you, what was that like working with the team, not only to take in all the feedback, but to figure out what the next step is and how did you relay that message to them? So let's start with taking in feedback. What was that yeah. like throughout these two years? Uh, that, so the credit to that goes to our player support specialist, Chris Stanek, and obviously our amazing community manager, Eric Dorabiala. And they have been working with our Discord uh, since we launched Early Access. They've gone in. We have made it to where players can go in, they can submit feedback, and then it's a community-type vote. So it's if it goes into the suggestion uh, feedback area and people like it, they can react to it. Once it hits a certain threshold of reacts, then it goes on to an Excel sheet. And Eric and Chris go through and they meet with game director Adam Brennicky and QA lead Adam Taylor. And they start looking over the top ass, the top feedback, what players are you know complaining about, what they want to see in the game. And then they can start devising a list of, you know, this is possible right now. This is actually already being looked at. So that's good to see that it's on the list. And they can go through and within the team present what people want and then pick and choose what makes sense at that time based off of their own roadmap. So it's really interesting. Um, and yeah, we push everybody to our Discord to go uh, submit suggestions there. We also have a help uh, center where they can go and submit them there. Um, and then that way it'll just go on a different uh, format. But yeah, very, very community driven. Come give us all the feedback. Because again, we want to make the game that we all want to play. And we can't do that without everybody being able to feel that they can have their voice heard. Okay. We talk about be having the voices heard now on the mm -hmm. opposite side. How did you relay that feedback back to the fans to let them know they are heard? Or maybe we don't like that suggestion. We're going to go another way. What was that give and take for you and the team over on the opposite side? Uh, one thing that we pride ourselves here at Obsidian is trying to keep things as transparent as possible. So if there were suggestions that just, okay, for example, the number one suggestion, number two, one of the top two is weather. I would love to have raindrops in the game, um, but we have said that this is, you know, maybe something further down the road, but right now we can't focus on it because there's so many more things at play, such as you think about it, you're this big, a raindrop's going to kill you. So we have to find ways to make weather be incorporated and make it fun. Um, so we can be a little bit more upfront about that. When we have other things like pets, we could, you know, hint at stuff coming up towards updates and get people excited for that. Adam Brennicky has been great on hopping on to our weekly streams every now and then to discuss what's coming in some updates to answer players' questions right then and there and be able to provide them feedback onto, yes, we heard you, we're doing this, and thank you for telling us the ant lions are no fun because they can throw ants way too far. So it's just been a lot of fun um, and getting that feedback. And the community has been awesome. Like it's, it, it's a give and take. We have a fantastic community. They are very understanding. They are very patient and know that we're in early access. 
And the whole time, they've just been rooting us on. So it, it's been such a blessing to have our community with us this route to help us get the game to where it is now. Let's talk about some fun ones here. I just want to have a little fun segment. What are some of the <laughs> wildest feedback you've gotten that people want and desires and some of the weirdest and wackiest ones? Let's see. Um, a lot of quality of life updates. Um, came back from feedback, which are just great to see. Um, one of them was the auto ability to pick up arrows when you just run over them. Uh, a lot of players, I, I'm, I like to shoot in the back sometimes too, and then having to go and pick up every arrow you miss one by one is very tedious, and sometimes you're just like, nope, those arrows are gone, never coming back. Well, because of uh, some feedback that the team had, they were able to implement you know, an auto pickup to where all you have to do is run over it. And all the arrows go right back into your inventory, saving you lots of time. And now you can go fight your next big baddie. Um, one of the wildest ones, um, one of my favorite suggestions, and I'm just like, yes, this is why I love the community. We have an area in the backyard called the Haze. And it's just where there's a, a weed killer can that's just spilling over and poisoning the area. And it's great. Because of all this, there are some interesting creatures that you can go and find. Um, like infected larvae who only just want to ruin your day, and weevils which will explode when they come and hug you. Um, what we didn't have at the time was an infected wolf spider, and that's where the community surprised me, and I was stoked because they started to request an infected wolf spider. Now we have one in the game, and it's this cute, adorable, fungus-growing wolf spider that just likes to walk around the yard and wreak havoc, and it's great, so... But yeah, that, that came because the players, the community, wanted to see more infected creatures and more spiders. So, yay. <laughs> yay is right. First off, thank you to whoever recommended the auto pickup for the arrows because I am shooting oh, yeah. a lot of arrows in the game. Uh, I'll give you all a little tease. I don't want to spoil anything. But, of course, the assistant manager and I really collided with a lot of arrows. So I needed that one. And, yes, the infected haze area is a ton of fun. Uh, me and my friends are replaying it now, and we're going through that area, so I feel that a lot. Uh, next part I want to talk about is, of course, when we talk about early access in a small team, right? You mm -hmm. kind of get lost in the, the void, the shuffle, the new games each and every week throughout this long period of being in early access. How did you and the team stay energized and keep the audience energized throughout all these updates and throughout all this time? Was it a tough task to bring people mm -hmm. back for each update and all the way up to the lead up of where we are now? I honestly think a lot of that comes to do with uh, the pacing of how the team went through when they first released it and how they started to add new areas and build up the yard. Um, they made it to where the community was stoked for a while, especially early on. They were almost getting monthly or bi-monthly updates um, with tons of new content, tons of new armor and equipment. And I think having that pacing, having us continuously always be there talking to them, having those weekly streams where we could play with the community and keep them coming back, at least if they just watch us on Wednesdays until the next update, uh, that really helped keep everyone engaged and everyone excited for the next part. Uh, on top of that, there were times in early access where you could see, you know, stuff in the background but you had no idea what it was because it was hidden behind little tiny yellow caution tape. And so that was exciting because people would start to ask, like, when is that area going to unlock? So it was kind of like a nice tease. Like, they could see, like, where the team was starting to expand but weren't there yet. So it would keep them there. And another big thing is that the progress 
the team did everything that they could that from every update to update, all of your progress stayed. Um, I think the twice we had to do just a story progression uh, wipe, but all your unlockables, so everybody's bases, all their armor and everything else, remained for every update. So that way, when a new area um, um, opened up, people could just hop in and then just go to that uh, next area because they already had the equipment and the armor to go. Or if they wanted to, um, we would have some people just randomly restart because the team constantly made the time to revamp the tutorial area to make it easier for new players who have come in. Or even players like if I had been playing for a while and you were just hopping in, we can go and restart and we would both learn stuff and figure out how it's tweaking from there because things had changed since the last time I had been going on. That's so really it's, cool. yeah, the pacing and then keeping the progress. So that it, it helps because there are some amazing bases out there. I don't know if you've seen, uh, we've seen pirate ships. We've seen cities that, that sprawl across the yard with zip lines to every tower. And being able to keep that for every update is just, no, here, keep building, have fun. So that's great. That keeps people engaged. And yes, I've been on the Reddit and I've been seeing all of the awesome posts of different creative bases that people have been making. I'm very jealous. Oh, yeah. I have a small shack and that's about it. I am not the creative type at all. Uh, no, I call myself a nomad. I just like to have my little my little stuff. I'll go to another station, build it, do what I need, pack up, and then go to the next one. <laughs> yes, a lot of lean-tos in my world right now. Yes. That's what's going on. want to talk about, of course, everybody in the Xbox world talks about acquisition. And we talk mm -hmm. about Obsidian Entertainment being one of the darlings that Phil Spencer yes. and the team were able to acquire not too long ago. And really what you all have built there is very special for the Xbox players, but I want to talk about it more on the acquisition side and Game Pass and early access. Do you think, or was it made easier to be able to do two years of early access and not have that looming threat of, oh, we couldn't be able to do this if you were just doing this all on your own without Xbox and Game Pass? Uh, I honestly think Xbox has been such an amazing partner on this whole journey. Um, Part of the reason, you know, Game Pass and everything's worked out is because we have that partnership and we're able to go on, which was interesting because I believe we were one of the first, if not the first, on Game uh, game Preview. So it was kind of like a fun for all of us. Like, hey, we're going to check this out and go on this route. Um, without them, we wouldn't have been able to do it. And just knowing that they're there, they're seeing all the updates we put out, and they're just like, you guys keep rocking it. Go do what you want to do. And it just gives the team a little bit more freedom. Um, the other thing too, is it gives us access to a lot of resources we wouldn't have had if it was just us. So the Xbox research lab center, where we were able to look into arachnophobia mode, which, um, thankfully we have in the game and it does help some people. It keeps, um, changes the spider to what we call danger dumpling, but it's still pretty terrifying because it makes all the same noises and they were able to get it to react the same way that a normal spider does. So if you're afraid of spiders and I'm not, we can both play. You can be on arachnophobia mode. I can be on regular, and it's going to act the same, and we're going to be able to fight it together. And this is just some of the stuff that we wouldn't have been able to resolve as quickly as we did without Xbox being there supporting us and giving us all their um, availability when we needed it to help us out. That's awesome. And, of course, yeah. the danger dumpling is now something I'm going to keep in my back pocket because that is a great name. As yes. well. That's that's really cool. Want to talk about a little bit more uh, when we look at that play anywhere. Mm -hmm. Steam, early access, you're yeah. on Xbox One consoles, you're on the new Series X and S consoles, you're on the cloud. 
how did that help benefit the team there being able to do that and also with a small team was that difficult were they spread thin to accommodate all of those different platforms i think being able to have people access it on different platforms was something that they wanted from the get-go they they wanted people to play the game they they wanted to make sure the barrier to entry was lower so steam was you know an easy target to get on that being able to get up on xcloud which was great because right as the game launched um xcloud updated it to where you don't need a controller anymore uh, you can just use your phone and play so it's been nice because it gives more people a chance to play the game um, i think the team did very well in timing out their work spacing out their work working with each other and working with xbox to make sure that they weren't spread too thin and that they were able to do what we uh, needed to do um i know there's a great team at xbox that helped us out sometimes with like the online play and everything else so it's just been nice to have that and the ability to have everybody play where they want to like being it i'm waiting for someone to play on a samsung fridge like that's my that's my end goal if we could play on our phones and play on the go <laughs> I want to see the fridge. But yeah, just having that, that allows like families to play together when they go on trips. And you can just have everyone sit down and play on their phones while Nana's cooking turkey. I don't know, but it's a lot of fun. That's great to hear as well. And I'm sure someone will accommodate that and play on the I'm Samsung waiting. fridge soon enough. We'll, <laughs> we'll get that on the Reddit. Let's talk about now, the now. We're here at 1.0. Oh, yeah. You have done it. You and the team have crossed the the finish line but there's still more to do i'm sure what does the future for grounded look like are we done do we all wrap it up and move on to the next project or is this going to be a living breathing game or as the new kids call it a live service game where do you think that falls with you and the team the new kids i love that <laughs> right now the team is currently as we mentioned at 1.0 came out last week so the team is currently focused on making sure any reports that come in with issues regarding the game, connectivity, anything is being addressed and being looked at and working on. So right now, that is what the team is focused on, getting all the fixes that they can out and making sure all the systems that are in the game are working. They would love to continue to work on it as long as they could, but we'll see what the future holds for that. Okay, we'll keep an eye on that. Of course, everybody can enjoy 1.0 right now they can jump in and play we'll see where yes. the future takes us shyla i'm gonna end this with some rapid fire fun questions for you you Ooh. ready for this i love rapid and All fire right. let's go let's do it favorite character in the game playable character let's start off with pete that. oh i really? love pete he's, okay. he's adorable i always play as pete when i get the chance and then if it's not pete it's max because i just love his um the lines and everything for his character. Okay, I'm a hoops guy. I love hoops. Nice. I'm all about hoops. I like that. Favorite bug, insect, or creature in the game? Larva. Because they, honestly, what I've heard is their only goal in the backyard is to ruin your day. And I, I love that. Just somebody who can wake up and they choose violence. That's great. Okay, choosing violence. <laughs> so I respect the larva. I, I like that. Favorite location in the game? location i for those of you there's two so there is an oasis in the crab sandbox that is just gorgeous it's super tiny you really can't do much but um what they've done with the landscape in that area is just really cool and the eastern upper yard which was just added in 1.0 because they've introduced a whole bunch of new plants 
to that area that aren't in the other yard. So there are like some ferns, there's some ivy, a giant tree stump and everything. So I really like the way to explore it. It's a little bit more dangerous. There are less neutral creatures and more hostile, but it's just such a pretty environment to be in. I like that. I like the koi fish pond. I'm a big fan of taking yes. a swim and uh, going under the water and seeing what lurks underneath there. It's a pretty fun time. Uh, of course, we always compare this or we bring mm -hmm. it to the fun of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. And of course, everybody wants to know, are we going inside? What can we do? But I guess for you, Shiloh, what I'd like to know is what would be the dream possible collabs you would love to do over there at Obsidian Entertainment? Because your friends <laughs> over at Rare, they hooked up with Disney for, of course, Pirates of the Caribbean. What would you do if you could have any collab here for Grounded? Well, I mean, there's a few I can think of. There's uh, a few that would be fun. Uh, I'm not going to put that out into the universe verbally just yet, just because I don't want to put it out there and then be sad. So, <laughs> okay, okay, I like. I'm that. just going to leave it. But yeah, there there are a few collabs, a few different partnerships that would just be so dope. So we'll see what happens. First, we got to finish this 1.0 fix and make sure everybody in the backyard is having a great time. Love that. You know, I had to try to get you on that. One oh, of course. Everybody wants to know what could be next on that final one. What is your hype level since it's Monday and you and I are recording this and we're talking about hype for the oh, yeah. TV show? Oh, I can't wait. I have heard such good things from the team um, because uh, a few people from the team are sitting in on that and figuring out how it's going. So I have not been a part of that just yet uh, because it's still in the early stages. But I am super stoked from what I've heard and the excitement of creative director Mitch Lloyd Alt on it. I am excited to see what becomes of that TV show. <laughs> All right. I'm really excited on my side. I cannot wait to see that. Of course, that will wrap up our fun interview. Tyler Schofield, yeah. social media manager. It's been a blast to hang out with you on the Xcast. I'm going to wrap it up yeah. with this. What can we look forward to? What should we be on the lookout for from you and the team over with Grounded? Yes. Well, if any of you are going to be in the San Diego area at TwitchCon, a few of us, uh, myself included, will be there. So you can come down, say hi. That is this weekend. Oh, sorry, Mike. We're good. Not you, Mike. This Mike. We're good. But <laughs> we're going to be in San Diego at TwitchCon. I'll be there. Community uh, manager Eric Dorbiala will be there, as well as player specialist Chris Stanek. Um, and a few others. So you can come hang out, check out the brood mother. That'll be good. Other than that, I know the team is working hard trying to get some updates. So hopefully we'll have some updates and patches going out. I'll be the one to help share that. And then anything after that, you know, just keep posting on social, keep sharing everything you're sharing on YouTube, on Reddit. The team honestly looks at everything. Like I say that, but no, they, they find stuff before I find it sometimes. And they love seeing Everything y'all are talking about, whether or not you like something or not, they love to just see the discussion so they could take it back and digest it and see what they can do. So keep sharing, keep posting, keep screaming at those spiders. It's all entertainment and we love it. So thank you. Thank you, Shiloh. Uh, I appreciate you being on. And with that, we'll wrap up this internet. We'll catch you next time, everyone. Welcome back, everybody. Hope you enjoyed that interview and hope you've been getting lost in the backyard, having some fun with Grounded, but guys, we are now celebrating 25 years of Fallout, which is pretty wild to think about. And Gary, I'm gonna need your old school knowledge to guide me, because I only know about Fallout 3 and onward. I never played the original Fallout, so you're gonna have to tell me all about it, but there's a nice blog write up over on Bethesda.net all about Fallout. So in October, 
1997 players first encountered Fallout's post-nuclear world and its memorable characters, impactful conversations, and stark reminders that war or never changes. 25 years later, the Fallout series is a best-selling franchise that not only helped define PC role-playing games and spawned ent entries across multiple console generations, but also has made its very own tabletop games and even an upcoming television series. So throughout the month of October, Bethesda and Fallout are going to celebrate with players on their 25th anniversary. Of course, each week over on Fallout25.com, you can get up to date on what they're going to be doing and how they're going to be celebrating with all the players out there. So for the first week of October, Fallout 76 is having a free-to-play week from October 4th to the 11th. And until November 1st, active Prime Gaming subscribers can pick up the base Fallout 76 game for free on PC and the Windows Store if you'd like to grab that. So guys, it's hard to believe 25 years of Fallout. So I got to ask, what's some of your favorite Fallout memories and what is the best Fallout game? Gary Witta, I'll start with you. What's the best Fallout game, Gary? Well, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to be very annoying. Okay. And and go very very old school on you. More old school than you even expected. And I'm going to tell you that in my view, at least my favorite fallout game isn't even a fallout game it's wasteland which was the spiritual oh. inspiration okay. for uh, okay. fallout if you go all the way back to 1988 i used to play this on my commodore 64 wasteland uh was an incredible um rpg for its for its time and i loved it. it was one of the one of the first games that i got really really immersed into the story and the world and i thought it was wonderful i'm not sure how much you know about the history but basically what happened was after interplay wanted to basically I think interplay kind of split from EA or their relationship ended and they wanted to continue making wasteland games but they couldn't get the wasteland IP away from EA so they created Fallout instead as basically the next evolution of wasteland um in all but name and the weird thing like wasteland is still going I mean you, I, I think there's a wasteland game on on X, uh, on Game Pass right now so they've gone on to be like have these kind of like parallel development tracks but there's no question that if there's if there's no wasteland there's no fallout like fallout is absolutely the the kind of the spiritual successor to wasteland in all but name uh so i played i played the hell out that played the hell out of the original wasteland i played so the fallout one and two i think both came out when i was editor of pc gamer so i played both of those and i liked them a lot and it, it was it was in very much it's interesting they went through Fallout and like GTA sounds like a weird comparison, but they went through a very, very similar um, kind of evolution where like the third game in the series was what totally revolutionized. If you remember the original Grand Theft Auto and Grand Theft Auto 2, those were kind of like top down 2D uh, games. And then when Grand Theft Auto 3 came out, that was the first game that took it into the uh, into the into the third dimension and like completely and for a lot of people. That's the first GTA game because it's the first one that looks like the GTA that we recognize today. And and so it is also with Fallout. The first two Fallout games were these very kind of old school, um, kind of quasi, you know, two D, three D isometric type games. And then Fallout Three was the one that brought it um, into into three dimensions. And now that you know, when you when most people think about Fallout, that's what they think of. They think of Fallout Three. They think of New Vegas. They think of Fallout Four. They think of the, those very immersive three D worlds. But I'm old enough to remember. For me, when I think about Fallout, because I never really played. It's a big. It's a big gap in my in my gaming uh, armor i i admit i never really played the 3d fallout games as amazing as they are and when people tell me oh you never played new vegas or fallout 3 these games are amazing i'm sure they are i just never got around to them but i do have fond memories in in in, in the uh, in the 90s of playing the first two isometric fallout games that's where most of my memories lie all right gary i like that i like that what is the best fallout gary besides wasteland 
I mean, it's again, it's hard for me to say because I haven't, I haven't played enough of them to say. And I, I always try to avoid best because it, because it's not okay. an objective thing. I'll, I'll just tell you what my favorite one is. I, I, yes. I, I, I really enjoyed the original Fallout because for me, as a, as a person who loved Wasteland, and this is before Wasteland kind of came back years later, Fallout for me was like was the way to continue, you know, playing Wasteland in, in, in all but name, and it, fe it felt like the next iteration of, um, you know, Wasteland's the original one on the Commodore sixty four and the Amiga was a very, very it's not it's not aged terribly well i mean i think i think you can still find it out there it's available in in different places um but it's 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 ancient you know it looks like you know kind of like the, the like the first you know couple of final fantasy games that were like really really top down really really you know basic graphics and 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 it, again the iteration has been interesting you went from that really basic 2d stuff almost like kind of ascii art very very basic to you know what for its time in the in the 90s was was, was this very impressive isometric right you know it was right right before or right around the the birth of kind of 3d accelerator cards and and the pcs be, being able to do 3d gaming seriously um and then of course you know and then of course after that when when through when uh, machines had, had uh had evolved to the point where we could actually kind of do 3d games properly that's when you know fallout 3 came along and and, and again kind of birthed the, the kind of the modern era fallout that we all know. So all, all, I, I can't tell you what the best Fallout game is because I haven't I haven't played them all. And I haven't played the, the ones that many people would tell you. I'm sure are the best. You know, three, New Vegas, and four. Uh, I can I can I can only tell you that my fondest memories are, are, are with those old isometric games. I like that, Gary Paris. You and I we've talked a lot about Fallout New Vegas. Give me some of your favorite Fallout memories and what is your favorite Fallout? So I actually didn't come into the series until Fallout 3. Um, I, I never played, you know, Fallout 1 or 2. So everything for me started with 3. And when I think moments, I go back to E3 2008 and Pete Hines was the, was the person that walked me through the, the, that Fallout 3 demo. And that's when I realized it was something special. And I don't know if this is showing up in the camera. Hold on. Is that? Yes. What is that? New Cola? Yes. Yeah. I have had this. This was swag that I got at E3 2008. I've had this since then. So I've had this for 14 years. And obviously, I've never opened it. And it so What would it take too. to get you to drink that on stream? Nothing, because I'll probably die. <laughs> 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 but, uh, but when I think memories, so like, you know what? We've obviously talked a lot about Fallout New Vegas. And I, that is definitely my favorite Fallout, because I just think it was had the superior story, of, you know, coming from three. And I think it was even better than four. I just, I just think Obsidian did a great job with it. But when I think moments, I go back to three, because coming out of that vault the first time, that was such a special moment you know, that I'll never forget in, in my gaming life. Um, I would say setting off the nuke <laughs> the first time it was like a wild moment doing that. Uh, and finding the, finding the alien gun was another one in Fallout 3 I really loved. And, uh, you know, just the whole storyline with the Brotherhood of Steel and just getting that entire armor set, just, just that whole package are, are, are just very memorable things. And a lot of that stuff obviously carries over into New Vegas and into 4 and I, obviously even to 76 with a lot of the expansions. It's a, it's, it's, it's a franchise. It's an IP that I think has aged pretty well because you can even, like I've dabbled around and gone back and played a little bit of Fallout 3 just messing around with cloud streaming stuff because it still has my, my old save from the 360. Game still holds up, really does. And then, like I said, obviously, 
New Vegas is going to be the one that I recommend anybody play, but definitely check out three as well. I think both three and, and New Vegas are, are just fantastic. And the different settings, obviously Vegas, New Vegas is literally in Vegas and Fallout 3 being in Washington, D.C. Um, are both interesting settings to, to have, you know, for kind of a wasteland game. So highly recommend both. Oh, I love that, Paris. And yeah, I'm going to go with Fallout 3, too, because it's fun. When you listen to all the video game podcasts and I hear stories from all of you guys, there's always that one game that you share freshman year of college when you're exploring the dorms and you see that one person with the door open and they're playing whatever that game is. For me, it was Fallout 3, right? When I was walking the dormitory and I was looking through doors, my friend Matt was playing Fallout 3 and I'll never forget sitting there night in, night out, just running around DC, having so much fun with Matt and thinking, wow, this is an unbelievable game that this team has created here. I love the VAT system. I think this is just a great time. And yeah, I loved that. And then to get Fallout New Vegas in 2010, right? And to have that experience all on my own and be able to journey through that, I'll never forget. And I love what Obsidian did with that one. That's a special one that I know me and Paris always yell, hopefully we can get a Fallout New Vegas 2 one time. But going through, I mean, Fallout 4 was really cool. I liked that setting a lot. I did not like the base building mechanic and that whole shelter system. I was never into that. And then fallout 76, I spent a lot of time with, and I'm one of the few that probably played the nuclear winter battle Royale more than I should have. And that was a bad battle Royale, but man, oh man, did it make me smile to run around and play that in a fallout type setting, which was really, really fun. And yeah, you look back on 25 years and you go, man, what a franchise that is. And it's kind of crazy that when we look at Bethesda right now with Starfield and then in the Elder Scrolls, new or Fallout is far away, which is kind of the heartbreaking thing when we celebrate 25 years, how much longer that could be until another one. But the TV show is interesting. Paris, do you think the TV show will be similar to The Last of Us in a hype level, or do you think it will be below that? I think it'll be below. Um, obviously, a lot of this depends on what is the budget going to look look like, but it's pretty clear uh, what they're what what Naughty Dog and, and Sony's doing with The Last of Us. They're treating this like damn near on Game of Thrones type levels, mm-hmm. right? Of of hype. I'm not necessarily expecting the Fallout's because I think what well, Fallout's going to be on Amazon, I believe, right? Yes. But uh, yeah, I'm not expecting it. I, I think it does have potential, though. I think it has a lot of potential to be good if they get the right story. I think that setting you know, is, is a great one to, you know, to tell a story. And so, I mean, we'll see, obviously it's, it's interesting because we're clearly in an era now we're seeing the last of us, you're seeing cyberpunk edge runners. We obviously know the, this horizon, uh, forbidden West show is going to be coming on Netflix. Obviously the Witcher stuff that's on Netflix as well. We're seeing a lot of tie-ins in from, from games and into this other forms of entertainment. So I, I do think they have, Bethesda has an opportunity here with the, with this fallout series, but I would imagine they're either going to do something with 76 or do we get another fallout game to go, go hand in hand with it i would imagine at this point 76 because they're clearly still supporting that game big time we're, we're seeing new content consistently coming and they're improving it i really wish if i had one complaint because i've dabbled in 76 but i've not played it enough to truly call myself invested into it i really wish they would have cross support for it cross play i should say as far as pc and xbox and playstation communities all being able to play 
together. I think that would really help that community out a lot. And look, this ain't a killer instinct thing. Don't don't get mad at me because I, I don't know enough. I'm just saying from the outside looking in. But uh, I, I wish like I could play on PC and Mike, you would be on, on Xbox and we could play together. I think that would be awesome. But there's definitely a lot of potential with, with this franchise le- left to be seen. I loved the vision and the idea of Fallout 76, Paris. I think when you play these massive Bethesda titles, I think everybody enjoys their journey. But I think there's a little piece inside of you that always says, man, what if I got to share this with a friend? And I loved the idea of what they tried with 76. In practice, it didn't work out well at the beginning. But it was fun for me and my friends to run around that world Mm -hmm. and build and create together. I thought that was a really good time, especially when you're spearheaded by somebody in your friend group that's like good at the game and truly understands it that goes a long way to the fun that could be had on that one so uh, an awesome little milestone 25 years of fallout make sure to go check out the website if you want to stay up to date on what they're doing throughout all of october but speaking about the month of october gary Witta, i'm going to tell you what's coming to game pass right now because you need to know what's coming to the first half of game pass here for october out right now chivalry 2 on cloud console pc gary witta this is a must play game this is one of my favorite games i believe of last year a great game to play with your friends if you're looking to just massive multiplayer medieval battles where you're hucking off and chopping off people's limbs you should check this game out they've had a couple of great updates and i hear greg miller is in the game if you have a nice keen ear you might be able to hear him somewhere in one of the maps but i'm a big fan of chivalry 2 out on october 6th you have medieval dynasty on xbox series x and s then you have the walking dead the complete first season on pc and the walking dead season two on pc as well gary i think you worked on that game is that right i worked on season one yeah oh wow i didn't know that you know i I did know that no i knew that yeah but the game or just the series on the uh, I on on season one of uh, of the Telltale game, I was the story consultant across the whole oh, series, and I, and I, I wrote, didn't know, I didn't know and that. And I wrote oh. episode four, yeah, of, of the wow. five episodes, yeah. Pretty awesome, Gary, right there. That's a special one. Do you go back and play that at all to remember all the fun that you had with that? No, I've never gone back. I I, I very rarely go back and look at anything that I worked on. It's 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 weird. You're not most most people like most people will tell you that they rarely go back and like watch or play things that they worked on because. By by the time you by the time you you finish you're 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 kind of a little bit sick of it and you, it's it, and it's hard to kind of engage with it or enjoy it the way that someone else would because you know you've been in you once you've been like inside it you can't really enjoy it as just a regular person playing the game because you think about like oh this scene was a real hassle to work on or whatever like you can't just like step outside of yourself and enjoy it the way you uh, you would want someone else to but I'm yeah, I'm really glad that people continue to like it and it's you know it's what now coming up there's gonna be 15th anniversary of the walking dead it's the the 10th anniversary right now right because the game came out in 2012 yeah um and it just it's it's one of those perennials it just keeps coming back and keeps coming back and obviously october everyone likes to put you know know, likes to feature you know kind of spooky and scary horror themed content so it's it's one of it's one of those kind of perennials that i think is going to be with us for a long time and it's great because it really is a really is a cool game it's a special game yeah, it's one of the games that made me cry. I, I'll Ooh. never forget going into that last episode. Um, like I, I, I was literally shaking. Just and I don't want to spoil it for anyone that's that's not played it, but man, just just definitely had had an emotional hit there. Yeah, it's a Sean Bannerman special right yeah. there, episode five. 
Yeah. That's a great game, a great experience. Go check it out if you're over on PC. Coming out on October 11th, Costume Quest coming to cloud and console. Then you mm-hmm. have Evil coming out to console and PC. This is Among Us type game, all about multiplayer social deduction. So maybe you want to jump in for a little Among Us type style fun. Go check that one out. Then moving on, we have out on the 13th and 14th, Dyson Sphere program on PC and Scorn coming to cloud console and Xbox Series X and S. Personally, you playing Scorn or what? I'm I'm looking forward to it. It's okay. I, I look. I still don't know what the hell it is, but I'm looking forward to checking it out. I've just seen like I know like Skill Up as an example. Uh, got to preview it a little bit, and he seemed to enjoy it. So I'm like, you know what? Let's let's see on the 14th. It's the 14th, right? It's the 14th. That is yeah. correct. Yeah, okay. looking forward to it. Right around the corner. And then out on October 18th, A Plague Tale Requiem coming to cloud uh, PC and Xbox Series X and S. This is the big time sequel to the first Plague Tale. This is going to be a good one. So keep an eye out on that one. Your games for gold with Octo- for October are Windbra- Windbound and Bomber Crew Deluxe Edition. Personally, this was an odd one with no Xbox 360 games anymore. We have now reached the end of Xbox 360 games with games with gold at this time. Yeah, it's funny because I had I had forgot that September was the month that Portal 2 was like basically one of the last 360 mm-hmm. games that you could get for gold. So I think it was like not the last day, but the day before I remember. And I was like, oh, crap. And I went and grabbed and tweeted out and a bunch of other people grabbed it, too. But it started another conversation on social media, which I, I tend to agree with. I get when we talked about it on the show, look, I get the original idea with games were gold, but now that you're not even doing 360 games anymore and we're getting into just obviously Xbox One and series games that I guess they're going to be offering up. I don't know. I, I almost just wish we would just get rid of gold entirely. I, I, I truly don't see the, the need for it anymore. And I realize they're not going to do it anytime soon, but I do hope now that we're free to play games aren't going to be tied to it, that just multiplayer games altogether no longer require gold and Obviously, you know, just have people go to Game Pass. You get access to way more games anyways. Guys, it is time to say goodbye for our final work from home episode. Gary Witta, I know Gundog is also coming to a close, but also a new beginning somewhere else. So, Gary, please promote Gundog one more time from our little Brady Bunch box, okay? Yeah, that's right. Thank you for paying attention. You're you're you're, you're exactly right. Um, as uh, this goes out on uh, currently, this goes out on a Wednesday, right? So uh, tonight, as you're listening to this, if you're listening on a Wednesday, we have our five. It's the final episode, episode nine, series finale on uh, live on Twitch at twitch.tv. Gary, what are at seven p.m. Pacific? Uh, but if you're listening via the podcast, which is you know where the where the, the bulk of the audience actually is, we're actually the number three sci-fi podcast in in America right now, behind behind like two of the biggest podcasts you know, in the world, uh, Night Vale and um, Old Gods of Appalachia. So to be in, in third place behind them is pretty amazing. We just we just started the podcast run. Episode two just dropped this week. Uh, uh, podcast services around the globe. You know, that's I've learned how to do this from Greg Miller. Uh, go, go check it out and um, add it to your podcast feed, and you'll get new episodes uh, every Tuesday for uh, the next several weeks. It's it's been exciting to finally launch the podcast version. Congratulations, Gary. That is really rad. Paris, I want you to tease the best friends watching and listening with one final thing. Of course, this is our final work from home episode. Of course, you will be our remote guy, but you will be in the studio a lot with us. What can fans expect from an in-studio type podcast that they haven't gotten from this podcast ever? 
Uh, probably a lot more hijinks and, yes. and <laughs> I don't, honestly, I don't know. I don't know why you threw it to me. I've never done a podcast in studio. This, this will be a, a, a new thing for me as well. So all I can say is I'm, I'm excited that for the opportunity when I will be able to be in studio with all three of us together. Um, I, I think the conversations will definitely flow a lot better. Like I said, I'm sure there will be some hijinks and tomfoolery that'll happen as well. And it uh, should be a lot of fun. I, like I think de 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 definitely better energy. Not that the energy on, on this show has ever been lacking, but like one thing that I think we know, like just from, from all of our lives, you know, Zoom meetings and everything and, mm -hmm. and having to do everything remotely, it's like there's always a bit of a disconnect. It's never quite the same as actually being in the room in terms of like having that physical connection, that eye-to-eye -eye connection with people. Um, having done, you know, many uh, Games Dailies and other podcasts with the kind of funny guys in studio, I really miss it because it's, it's, just, it's just cool to be in the room, yeah. to be in the studio. And again, and again, when you see this new studio, uh, kind of funny best friends, you will shit your pants because it is really, really impressive. And I, 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 I mean, I'm excited about coming in um, and and being a part of this, the, uh, being being uh, being a part of the studio because I think it's gonna, uh, I think it's gonna lead all of us to to want to raise our games. Like, man, this studio is impressive. I better bring it. Love that. Well, thank you too. Get ready for a whole lot of energy, some tomfoolery for sure, and some hijinks coming from us at the kind of funny X cast and beyond with all of your kind of funny content starting on October 14th, the big reveal. Remember all next week, you will have no content, which means no kind of funny X cast, excluding games daily and a kind of funny podcast. You'll get one more of those, but if you're listening and watching, we will not see you until Wednesday, the 19th. So keep an eye out for us there. And we'll have a whole lot of fun coming your way in a brand new studio space. Don't miss out with that gamers. Goodbye. We'll catch you next time. Peace.